you're listening to the Fearless Business Podcast. You're in the best place to learn about how to grow a business, get more clients, and make more money without fears and limitations, all while having fun in the process. Robin Waite is the founder of Fearless Business, a business accelerator helping coaches, consultants, and freelancers double their income and more. Now here's your host, Robin Waite. Welcome back, everybody. It's the next episode of the Fearless Business Podcast. I'm your host, Robin Waits, the founder of Fearless Business and the original Fearless Business Coach. Uh, I've got an amazing guest with me today. I've got Simon Severino, who is the CEO of Strategy Sprints, Europe's leading remote growth agency. So welcome to the Fearless Business Podcast, Simon. Hi, Robin. Hello, everybody. So cool to be here. Cool. So uh, what is a remote growth uh, advisory and how did you get into it? You know, since we are on the Fearless Business Podcast, I have to tell about this pivotal moment in my life. I am doing 17 years the same thing. It's strategy advisory for companies who want to grow, who want to scale, who want to rock their thing, right? Rock their markets. Now comes a point where the love between my life and my, and my wife and myself uh, became two children. So we have two boys. And uh, turns out being with these boys is much nicer than flying through the world and doing advisory stuff. So three years ago, I was like, hmm, is there a way to pivot to a remote work? And just, can I do it from home? Can I play with my kids in the morning, rock the day, and then cook for everybody in the evening and bring them to bed? Because that's the best thing for me right now. That was the pivotal moment. uh, moment. And so that was the moment when we started doing what we do, which is doubling the revenue of companies in 90 days in a remote way. Now, nobody flies. You say you want to start, 10 minutes later, we start. Awesome. And in terms of kind of making that decision, having been in sort of the same job or role for 17 years, and then was it just like a, an oh shit moment where I'm just like, I've just got to cut loose? Like what, 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 what was going through your mind at that time? Well, there was, there was an evolution there. I am seeing since 15 years being a strategy consultant. Of course, I see trends coming. Uh, everybody sees that things are going more and more digital. So I was ready since 10 years. I had some ideas and I was testing the waters and I was moving some parts of the business into digital. But then this was the moment where I said, okay, go full in. Yes, it is a little bit too early for the world, but somebody has to start. So let's start this. And I think in five to 10 years, everything will be remote. Then COVID came and now it accelerated the whole thing. So has that made your has that made the growth in your business easier? Would you say it it made it harder and easier at the same time? So the old business was gone. So from one week to the other in COVID, I we lost we lost uh, a million in revenue. Wow! And uh, because everything that was an event, like large group events, kickoff of the strategy, rollout, etc., everything that was in person was delayed, postponed. And when you say postponed three months, that's gone. And so on the one side, it was hard. 
there was a cash crunch. But on the other side, we were always working on this innovative thing, the 90-day remote accelerator, and that took off. And we, we were now working with the top companies in the world who said, I need this. In terms of like, so talk to us about like what, what strategy sprints is. What is a strategy sprint? Because a lot of people watching this may not kind of be familiar with the, the sort of the term or the concept. Sure. It is for business owners of service businesses who do around 25K a month of reliable income. And they don't see how they can get into 50 or 75 per month. They are in high ticket business. We don't work with low ticket business. A high ticket is something that is more than a couple thousand. And it's very person related. Before you buy, you want to talk to somebody. You cannot just sell it from your website. So for these people, we have a 90 days program and these 90 days programs doubles their revenue. That's the goal. If we don't, we give them 100% money back. No way. That's, that's so cool. So how do you, talk to us about this process then. How do, how do you double somebody's revenue in 90 days? All right. So first part is you, you need to get them out of the weeds. They started their business. They are great at something, for example, at coding or at uh, coaching or whatever. They are great in something, but they have become the bottleneck of their own growth. So, for example, when you're a coach, as a coach, you can do max 300,000 per year. Then you can get a team together. You can have five people doing 600,000 a year, but your profit margin is becoming 120. And uh, yeah, you have a couple kids. Basically, you have no time, no life, a lot of revenue, but you hate your life. And uh, <laughs> I was there. So the first thing to do is to get them out of the weeds, get them out of being in the business and help them start working on the business. So the first two weeks, we free up 10 hours per week of their time. Gosh, I, it's, it's really interesting, actually, kind of, um, you know, I, I don't want this to necessarily be a crisis related episode, but uh, we are in the midst of like, you know, global pandemic. And one of the things which I found um, for myself straight away was, you know, I'd work all hours under the sun if I could, like weekends in the works, because I love the process of working within my business. And I'm, I'm probably one of those coaches who fits into that, you know, getting to that 300k and doing everything myself. So the crisis comes along. And of course, you know, my wife also works um, full time. And we've got two young girls, similar sort of ages to your boys, actually. And um, my hours, all of a sudden, I'm, I'm now driving my business with only 16 hours. You know, the rest of the time is obviously spent playing with dollies, um, you know, Lego and making tents out in the garden and things like that, you know. So I totally kind of um, feel the pain. But also one of the things is I've noticed that since I dropped my hours down to 16 hours a week and the focus is there, um, my business has actually gone through, you know, the next stage of growth, which is um, super important. And I think um, one of the things which you talk about is falling in love with the, the problem, not the solution. A lot of coaches, consultants, freelancers, they're all so solutions focused. You know, you talked about the coder trying to solve, um, uh, you know, create a, or make a, create a solution for um, their clients' problems. And so they're busy coding all of the time. Um, so what, what, Talk to us about the difference, though, here between falling in love with the problem versus, you know, the solution. Yeah. So this is wonderful how you how you described it right now, because 
If you fall in love with the solution, you will be substituted by history very quickly. As soon as a new technological way of solving it comes in, you are gone, basically. Remember hotels and then Airbnb, bye-bye Marriott. So it's easy uh, to fall in love with your solution because you love it and you built it, etc. But you need somebody from the outside really challenging, and that's what our sprint coaches do, and say, hey, don't love your solution too much. What is really the problem? And for example, the problem that, that we solve is time and money. So we have two problems and we stick with that. We will never try and solve any other problems, but the solutions, they were large groups in 10 years ago and they are now remote coaching programs and they might be something completely different in seven years. You might have us in, in your ear like Spider-Man talking to his chair guy or you just, you just move your eye and your coach uh, helps you see something. You know, I don't know what the technological solution will be in seven and a half years or in 15 years, but I know exactly the problem that we will be trying to solve and that we will try and stay number one in solving that problem for this specific target group, service businesses of high ticket business. See, I think, I think there's an element as well of like, it's very easy to get addicted to like being the center of your business. Um, I think for a lot of kind of, you know, coaches and consultants, they want to feel important. So there's a lot of ego, which probably comes into it. So do you find a lot of the time you have to just kind of break down that ego barrier first, first and foremost? And before you actually get on to showing them a better way of doing it. Yes. It's 100% ego. Then you, because you say, yeah, but I want Robin. Yeah, I want Robin. Yeah, everybody wants Robin, but it's not Robin. It's the method he created and the process. So team Robin can do it exactly as Robin does. At the end, you don't buy Robin. You buy more time, more money, better processes, less fear. So that's the point. You can duplicate yourself and everybody can. And that's what we teach. You can multiply. So board is, is the bottleneck. You can multiply board by getting the things out of their head that create value and create a value. We call it the value staircase. So there are some steps that you do. And right now it's in your head. Like if you're a coach for and, and you, you coach well-being, you have your models, your concepts, your processes in your head. But if you write them out of your head into a series of slides and then teach the first coaches to do it for you, then you can call that method some fancy name and now it can have that impact that you are having. And the rest, if you think that's not working, now this is your ego speaking. It's not you speaking, it's your ego it's it's really interesting actually because um one of the challenges which i face as a coach is um i work with you know a lot of very micro businesses so either one man bands or uh sort of what i deem as agencies so five to ten person businesses and um it's amazing the amount of times so i have a group program but it's amazing the amount of times you get people who come to me um and I have that system and process built. Hundreds of people have been through my program. They get amazing results out of it. And yet you still get people who come and say, actually, really what I need is one-to-one -one time with you, Robin. And I'm like, no, no, I think you've missed the point here. We have a process and a system for that. And you don't need all of me. You'll get me as a byproduct to signing up to the program. Um, and actually what I found is that there's a um, for, for coaches, consultants, and freelance on an individual basis, 
they don't need that one-to-one time, like all the time. There's an element of like neediness which surrounds that. Whereas actually where, where you move up into the agency world, where they are more resource hungry and they've got more moving parts in their business, yeah, they need more, more of that one-to-one time. So I think kind of getting, getting beyond that sort of ego side of things is like super, super important. And so when, you, when, when the business owner has that, that moment of realization of, shit, I am the bottleneck. It's, it's all down to me, the reason why my business isn't growing. Do you, do you tend to find that what, what tends to happen like as the next step beyond that? What, what, do you, what do you then work on with them? And do you find also that they're kind of a bit, does it break their spirit a little bit knowing that they're no longer the most important part of their business? So now our sprint coaches, they have now to show that it's really better to put it out of your head and to create systems. And many people are skeptical right now. Mm, I don't think it can work like a machine. This is a people's business. Okay, now the sprint coach needs to show that it's better. So in week two, we implement the first three key systems. We start with the operations. Okay, when you have a new client, what happens? What's the client onboarding process? The first checklist, just what do you do? And then we help them just make a video of what they do. And then they have the first process and they say, oh, it's that easy. Yeah, it's that easy. And now 90% of that you can hand over to a virtual assistant. There are wonderful virtual assistants and uh, you can hand that over. Now they will hand that over and they will have saved the first three hours per week of of every week and now now we are at that point because now they say "Ah, it's working how can i have more of that can i do also the the invoicing oh sure you can do the invoicing system can i do like asking for what's working and what's not working etc etc now you have the first three systems and from there we then usually work until 274 systems which are ready as a template in our sprint university but the key point is to have this this first um, this first experience that is much better to have a system than not to have a system because the point is to get it into the to feel that it is more painful not to have a system than to create a system it's funny, isn't it, as well? Like a lot of small businesses, they don't, they don't know like what the inherent problems are in their business because they're too small. And it's not until you start to scale that things start to break. So I use the analogy of, uh, um, well, you're originally Italian, aren't you? So the little Fiat 500 car, you know, remember, it's a really cute little car. It's got a, yeah, it's yeah. Got a little, little 500cc engine. And, um, you know, if we added rocket fuel into that, it's going to go really fast, really quickly for a short period of time and then just explode, okay? Because rocket fuel is designed for, Rockets. Rockets. And, you know, but in this analogy, the engine is actually the business engine. So it's the, the products, the systems, the processes and things like that. And the rocket fuel is like marketing. So actually, as you, as you grow a business and get more clients, then all of a sudden, all of the, the flaws in that engine start to just kind of show themselves. Um, I'm amazed you've, you've identified 274 different moving parts of a business that you can potentially improve. Like, where do you, what, so you kind of, when you came up with the university, was it just, uh, did you go out and sample like, you know, a few dozen or hundreds of businesses and just see what the commonalities were between them before you started creating those systems? You know, it's 17 years work of every day. I'm like you, I like to work a lot. So in my first years, I I, I flew to New York, I flew to Beijing, I flew to Berlin, to Zurich, and I did strategy workshops with the people. And then we had their problems and I had to solve them. 
you know, they were paying me for the day. So you, you gotta, you gotta deliver the day. So I was delivering solution, 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 solution. And then I, I, I was like, okay, what if I start creating these solutions in a way that it's like a toolbox. And when the next client asks for the same thing, then I have it semi ready. That, that how my personal toolbox as a consultant started. Then I became a CEO. So a company builder myself, I went back to that and I said, Hey, I know how these big businesses create their processes. What if I just start with that as a blueprint, even when I'm just one person. So I took all of that and I used it myself. And over the years, they became 274. But it was really simple. The first one was how can I hand over the invoices? Because uh, our team, it was nine people going to the client. And then I had all these cab, cab receipts and invoices from everybody. I didn't want to do it myself. So first person that I hired, they started uh, doing the, the financials, administrative part of the finances, etc. I started with the boring stuff. What I found boring to do myself, I handed over. And then over the years, they became 274. And now we share them with our clients. So what, what order should people do things in? Do you think we should all start with that, the boring admin stuff and then gradually start to work through, um, you know, because I, I see, for example, like sales as being like a vital part of my business, which, you know, it's going to take a lot to kind of prize that from my hands because I like to be that first port of call. It's the ego kind of coming through a little bit here, but also I want to make sure that we are getting the best quality clients coming through the program who are going to get the best results. Um, so I'd find it quite hard to let that go, but should I, should I be letting the sales side of things go first? Cause that does take up a lot of my time or do I release little bits of my time through doing sort of admin and marketing tasks, which are little and often what, what how do you choose which order to do things in? We do a time analysis with our clients. And then one question is, does it give you energy or take you energy or is it neutral? And one is it, can you eliminate it or delegate or systemize it? And so they find the first thing that is easiest to do. Now, some examples. Um, it, it really depends on your personality and what you like doing. Because if you are great at sales, you will not hand that over easily. So, okay, keep doing it for three years, five years, but give away the rest. So hand over marketing, hand over operations, hand over fulfillment, hand over admin. The first and easiest thing to hand over is your scheduling. You can do it with just with apps. Yeah. You don't need a person. Just start there. Then the, the next thing is some admin stuff to, to give it to a virtual assistant. My personal thing is the next one should be operations. So a project manager or which later will be your COO, somebody doing the core operations, everything around the client and how to make the client happy. And then the third thing that we advise to do is sales. But now at this point, if, if you really love it and if you're into it, just keep doing it. Uh, but we start very soon systemizing the sales because at some point you will grow. And when you grow, you don't have the time to create the processes. Yeah. When, yeah. You, when you have that growth, you want to have them better right now. Right now. So you were working your ass off and now finally the New York Times calls you and writes about your offer. Guess what? Next week, 
the phone is ringing. And you want that to be in place when the phone rings and not on Monday, the phone is ringing and you are searching the internet for a virtual assistant. That's not a good combination. Yeah. I mean, one of the things which I encourage all of our clients to do, like first and foremost, is to get, a, you mentioned it before, a booking tool set up. So I, I recommend Acuity, but there's tons of them, aren't there? Calendly, Schedule Once and things like that. And, and I kid you not, the amount of time that that has saved me over the years. And I'll give you one, one um, sort of really simple example of that. You know, a couple of people have said, oh, it's, it's impersonal, like to book into a system so that I can get into your diary. I'm like, yeah, but you have to do that in order to earn like 30 minutes of my time. So it's like a respect thing. And also as a part of our, our enrollment system, we have um, like an assessment form, which people have to fill out an application form. And I remember when I first started up my coaching practice, um, there was a really excitable young personal trainer. She was 21 and she wanted to do, she'd heard great things about me, obviously. And she wanted to do some work with me. And um, so I, I said to her, it's cool, just go and fill out my application form. We'll get the thing started. And she said, oh, I don't have time to fill out a silly little application form. So whoa, hold on a second. Like, if you want to do any work with me, this is a part of my process. So, you know, go and fill out the application form. So she looked at it and she came back and said, I've looked at the form. Um, I, I don't think any of these questions are appropriate to me. Okay, I'm a business coach. The first question is, do you have a business plan, right? I think that's relevant. And uh, excuse the French, but I just said to her, you don't get that without doing, like fucking doing that first. Okay, so go and fill out the form. And um, thankfully, the next day she came back and said she'd found somebody else. And I was just like, it's really funny that some people just don't want to do the work. Like something simple like fill out an application form, you know, to get time with an expert. So um, whereas you're probably the clients you work with are the opposite of that. They, they love doing the work. They want to do more of the work. No, this is really important. What you have just described is the filtering system. That's also a system that we help build in. Do not let the wrong people into your world. So if you try and work with us, you will find seven different filters that will find out if you even should have a call with us. And if you shouldn't have it, we want to know it very, very early and get you out of the system because we don't want to waste your time and we don't want to waste our time. So the third week is really coaching sales, how to get better at sales and then hand it over. And one thing that we teach is do not try to convince anybody. Well, like, I, always, I always say to people, like if you're, if you're there like selling because you need to pay your mortgage and put food on your table, all of a sudden it's not, that's not acting within the client's best interests. Absolutely. At any point, like enrollment should always be about like the client 100%, you know, and if it means saying no to them and missing a mortgage payment, then so be it. Cause I couldn't sleep at night if I took somebody on who wasn't a good fit for my business. Absolutely. And you can't really convince them. And it's also, it's a waste of your time spending seven hours to convince a client that your offer is great. So don't do it in the first place. Filter out instead of convincing. For example, we filter out, do people believe in coaching in the first place? Because one thing, everybody wants to double their revenue, of course. And that's why many people call us. But we, we cannot do it with everybody. First, you need to believe in coaching. Second, you need to believe in your offer. 
And third, you need to really care about what you are doing. And because we will intensify what you are doing. And uh, you can only do that. You can only sprint if you, if you love what you do. Otherwise, just take it easy, do something else, you know, but with other coaches. <laughs> I'm, you've put it very nicely there. I'm a bit more blunt with people. I did tell somebody to go and get a job once because it's just like this business thing is just never going to work for you. <laughs> um, just with their attitude. It's like, you know, hey, Robin, so I'm going to pay you some money and you're going to set my Facebook ads for me and basically sell my program for me. I was like, no, I'm not. That's not how coach, coaching works in such a way that will help steer you in the right direction. But you've got to work some of this stuff out for yourself and be prepared to put the work in. Um, so to, how do you... How do you kind of there must be a couple of strategic questions which you ask people right up front from the word go because I mean my group's full of coaches and they will have, I call them pain in the ass clients they will have had these pain in the ass clients at some point so what what are the like if there if there was one two or three questions that you could ask up front um, you know what would they be in order to kind of filter filter out those pain in the ass clients. Yeah, you can check them out. It's strategiesprints.com and, and you, you will find all these questions before you can even get to anything. But my favorite questions right now, so we change them also while we learn more about because we have this NPS every 30 days, again, a system. The NPS asks you what's, what's going well. So every 30 days, every client is asked automatically what's going well, what needs improvement and what can we do to even make it better. And uh, using their exact words, we will change the questions. Also, I get this information from the sales team. Once a week, I have a sales team meeting and uh, I ask people, uh, we call it the after action review. So what was your intention? What came out and what's the gap? And what do we learn from there? And then they say, okay, I, I got some wrong leads. Okay, what was wrong? And how can we build it into the filter so that... They, they don't even come in again. So one, one question that we ask is, who are your top three competitors? Some answer, I don't have competitors. And then that can be, that it can be two things. Either they are not mature enough in terms of mindset to, to, to really do competitive analysis. They try to avoid and, and live in a vanilla world. Uh, well, then they are wrong in working with us. Or they are great at having a blue ocean strategy. Well, then they have done module one in one of our courses and they don't have competition anymore. Now they are absolutely unique. Wonderful. And, uh, but that's one question. The other question is, where do you want to be in 12 months in terms of monthly revenue? Because we only help people who right now have around 25 and they want to go to 50 or 75. Yeah. So we ask that, how much do you want to do in 12 months? How much in six months and how much right now? And then there are some people who find it inappropriate to answer that, but they are the wrong people to work with us. And if, um, so it, it can't just be just about kind of let's, you know, improving the systems is going to make things run more smoothly. Um, look, sounds like you also help people out with their offer, but how much do you think price has like to play in terms of kind of doubling somebody's revenue? Because the thing which got somebody to, you know, six figure business, hundred K is definitely not going to get them to a million, is it? So what are the kind of key differentiators, which you work on when you're starting to refine a client's offer? Yeah, let's riff on that because you, you're a pricing pro and you have a lot of experience there. So we have a small module about pricing. We, our, our thing starts with the so-called value staircase. We think that everybody can achieve excellence with 
a staircase of creating value. So value first, then work, value, work, value, work, value, work. So everybody has to create this staircase. Our staircase, very generic, awareness, first step, create some value there. That's why we have the podcast. We, we give away stuff just for free. So we create the first value, then people want more from us. Okay, when they show us that they want more, we come and give more. Next thing, nurturing. Okay, you become part of our newsletter or, or some form of small engagement. Nurturing. Then close opportunity, closing, fulfillment, retainment, upsell. So these are our steps. Whatever your steps are, we help you map every step out. And the first thing on that step must be, boom, a wow moment. How can we make it so remarkable that they go out and tell everybody, you cannot imagine what happened there. I, I yeah, so uh, I was expecting to pay that, but I paid that. I was expecting this experience, but I got this. So make it remarkable in every single step. And now pricing is one of these moments where you expect something and then you get something else. We work with the contrast. So what is it that you get? And compared to that, the price is a screaming bargain. It's an irresistible offer. That's what we try to create, convert with contrast. So you want to go to 75,000, all right, this is the price. Look at this gap, irresistible. You have the pricing out of the table. We, we rarely talk about, we, we rarely negotiate pricing because we spend a lot of time in really making clear what the value is. And, and then people just start asking you how, okay, how can we start? How can we, how can I do it? Well, sometimes they just need to be told. Sometimes they just need to be told that they can sell their product more. And that's that's like, so I always work in three stages, so mindset, validation, and time. So the mindset piece is simple. It's just like, well, uh, Simon, you know, if you were charging 10K for your product and right, I just told you, well, actually, there's a market out there to sell it at 20. And you're like, oh, really? That's the mindset bit, bit taken care of, if you believe me. The validation bit is actually the hard part where you've got to go out and pitch it to 10 or 20 different prospects to validate that product at the new price point at 20K, for example. But the beauty of it is, I think, because you're so good at um, so good at kind of analyzing, qualifying, you're working with the right sorts of clients. It sounds like they're already very successful sort of individuals or businesses um, if they're sort of already punching at sort of $25,000 plus a month turnover. But actually, kind of some of the principles I teach around pricing, they already know about. They're already kind of, you know, they just need an extra bit of a push and away they go. Um, cause they're already kind of selling. So, um, I was gonna, gonna ask a question as well about, you talk about something called the most direct path. So how do you encourage somebody to kind of like, cause business, obviously business owners tend to meander all over the place, like in terms of, especially their decision-making. So how do you start to encourage somebody to take a much more direct path with what they're doing? Yeah. When you talked about the Cinquecento, where you put the rocket fuel and it, it doesn't get faster, this is what many people do. So usually first call and with the sprint coach and say, okay, what do you need? And they say, I need more leads. Now, 99% of businesses do not need more leads because if you give more leads, it's that Cinquecento thing going on. So 
what you really need usually is much simpler and there is a direct way to going for it. For example, we help people double their revenue in 90 days. How we do it? One thing is really simple. Find your bottleneck and improve only that for the next seven days. Do not do anything else. In terms of cash, if cash is the bottleneck, we help them stop everything marketing. Stop it. Yeah. No Facebook ad, no Google ad, no creating content, no blogging, no podcasting, nothing. Stop it. This is not bringing revenue. Stop it. Why? Why? You, it just makes you tired. This is something that you do when you have a great business going on. It's completely on autopilot. And now you have so much time. Should I golf or should I make a podcast? Well, do a podcast. But before you get there, only sales. And how do you do sales? First, you call all the clients of last year and say, hey, how are you doing? How are you navigating Corona? You know what? I have a new thing going on. Are you interested? Then you call the clients of two years ago and of three years ago. Then you ask them if they have friends who need your offer. And it's not about your offer. It's about their, they want to help their friends. That's why you have friends. And if it's a great offer, they will tell them. So these, these is some examples of a direct way to revenue that where we help just stop all these activities. Most people do too many activities. We help them do only three things, but 1,000 times instead of doing 1,000 things three times. But you've, you've hit the nail on the head there with like a, one specific bottleneck. So, you know, the fear is, oh, what? I've got to pick up the phone and actually speak to these people. Um, like so many people are afraid of, and it's not even cold calling. It's actually like speaking to past clients they've already got the relationship with. Yet the moment you say, pick up the phone and start calling people, like the fear sets in and they're like, oh, I couldn't possibly do that. I wouldn't want to impose on them. How rude of me to do that. And it's like, it's until again, validation, until you actually get out there and start doing it, you won't be able to see the benefits of it. And actually, again, it's about having the right sort of system in place. So if you're doing, you know, for example, with Fearless Business, we have a referral scheme in place. And I don't know about you, but... I would much rather give money to past loyal clients for referring new clients into the business than give it to a faceless organization like Facebook or Google or YouTube or whoever you're placing the advertising sort of spend with. I would rather that all of my marketing budget went to past clients as a thank you for being so loyal and bringing new business in. Um, you know, so having that little referral system in place um, when you're making those calls as a bit of an incentive to get people to take action. But the trouble is a lot of the time, you know, we, we go for the thing which is easier. It's actually easy to sit down and record a podcast. It's you know, not quite so easy, but easier to do a video on our own or easier to write a blog or easier to write a LinkedIn post. Um, so sometimes doing those things that we are afraid of, we've just got to turn our attention back to them in order to kind of see the results, basically. Absolutely. So what I ask myself is, if tomorrow I get 10 times more clients than usual, what will break? And I go running with only this question. I, I run for one hour very slowly, just in nature, relaxed. And I ask myself, if tomorrow we 10x, what will break? And I continue asking this question, what exactly will break? 
Is it the delivery? Is it that the I can I can I can start the climb, but I cannot finish it? What, what exactly? Which part of the machine will break? Because every machine is a cinquecento if you don't really industrialize it, right? So which part of my cinquecento is going to break? And that's the bottleneck. If you want a little bit more help, because you know I'm experienced, I can do it myself. But we have also this checklist of the questions that you ask yourself to get it. I have also put it together for your audience uh, because it, it helps them uh, find their bottleneck. So they can go to strategiesprints.com slash sales and they will find the bottleneck in their current sales funnel. So strategiesprints.com slash sales, after 15 minutes, they will know their bottleneck. And Do you think there's going to be some people who have like a, a blinding flash of the obvious or a moment of realization of, oh, shit, I'm the bottleneck? <laughs> yes. yes. More than likely. <laughs> yes. Well, we know how you feel. We were there. Robin was there. Simon was there. We all were there. And uh, it's yes, it's hard now to face it. But Robin has the methods. We have the methods. It's easy to get out of that. And look, we, we are doing fine right now. And there, we have the processes to get out of that. There we go. So we'll include a link to the um, so strategysprints.com forward slash sales. We'll include a link in the show notes as well. So if you want to go and, um, uh, go and take the test, I'm going to go and have a go at that actually as well. I'll probably get some surprising results out of it. Um, we have a couple of questions just to wrap up as well. So how else can people get hold of you, um, Simon? Oh, we are everywhere. Just say strategy sprints. You will find us everywhere. Cool. We'll, we'll, we'll also tag in your social media as well um, and, and make sure this is chef, shared far and wide. I have, always have a question which I like to ask our guests when we kind of, um, this pivotal point in the podcast. So um, I'm gonna, we're going to jump into the fearless business time machine and we're going to go back um, to a period in your past. It didn't have to be 10 years ago, but you get to choose when it was. Um, and you get to have a word with Simon. So um, when would it be and what would you say to Simon minus X years? I can go forward or backward. Where do I go with my machine? Oh, nobody, oh hang on. Nobody's gone forward. Nobody's, you could go forward if you want to. Of course, I go forward. So I go now 25 years forward and I ask Simon, what were the main three things that you did to grow your business? And what do you think he's going to say? Oh, well, if I knew, uh, I don't know, but I, I guess he would, let me guess. So he would say, you, you did, after you did hand over fulfillment and sales and everything, you did hand over the complete firm and uh, you just were enjoying your wife and your kids. And this made everything better. It's really interesting, actually, because um, uh, I it's kind of like, well, you made yourself redundant for a start, which is amazing. One of the things I always say to our clients is you need to become a business owner, not a business doer. Because the longer you're, you're a business doer, the wheel, it's that you're just going to sell, deliver, sell, deliver, sell, deliver, and eventually burn out. But whereas a business owner, exactly like you said, they get to kind of float around and have a bit of fun and uh, enjoy time with their family and things like that. And um, I don't know if your copy of Take Your Shots arrived yet, Simon, but when you get a chance to read that, that will probably resonate because there's a character in there called David who actually... I. I kind of modeled David on myself, but in 20 years time. And he just happens to be kind of, you know, 
floating around a golf course, bumps into a golf professional and then ends up helping him and coaching him. Uh, so that's kind of how I see my life in, in 20 years time, like very easygoing and, you know, no worries, no stresses. And the business is just doing its own thing. So I can definitely relate to that. I think that's a great message to end on. Cool. <laughs> so thank you, Simon. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you ever so much for giving up your time to come onto the podcast this morning. Um, we will include all of the links in the show notes. Um, if you, out of curiosity, I, I never really um, asked this, but if there was um, one person who you think that we should get onto the Fearless Business podcast, and apologies if this is a curveball, um, is there anybody you'd recommend that we should speak to? I would get Ash Meuria. The author of Running Lean. Nice. Because this book is so helpful that I hand it over to every single client, especially uh, very early stage uh, companies and uh, solo driven companies, because there is so much wisdom there in how to test quickly and uh, how to find your own way by using this structure of build, measure, learn, build, measure, learn. It is so helpful for, especially for small businesses and starting businesses. Oh, well, we'll have to have a word with Ash and see if we can get him on. And hopefully, um, it, because Simon said uh, that that's going to all work out fine and the book's running lean. So thank you for that. Awesome, Simon. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you ever so much. Thank you, Robin. Thank you for having me on your beautiful community and podcast. Keep rolling. Mm-hmm.